Hey there, PDX Real Estate Podcast listeners. Before we get into today's show, I've got a real quick announcement for you, and that is that my company, TTM, is still looking to buy fixers and teardowns all over the Portland metro area, even in this post-corona economy that we have going on right now. So if you have anything that comes across your desk that may not fit the retail market, we'd love to hear from you. All you got to do is go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com. There's a contact us tab, fill out the information, submit it to us, and we'll give you a call. Or if you'd like to, just call us at the office, 503-224-6200, and we'd love to chat with you about the property. Now, let's get into the show. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody, welcome. This is Born Real Estate Podcast. We are back. It's Friday. It's been a hell of a week in Masters and uh, just a hell of a year overall. So we wanted to come back on here. We took a little breather. We all have actual businesses we run, you know, houses that people sell, houses that people build. But we want to come back today and say hi to everybody and talk about some topics. So before we do that, welcome back my co-hosts. What's going on, Steve-O? What's going on, Joe? Hey, good to be back. It's been a while. I, I'm pretty sure it was before the elections. I think our last guest was a, a mayoral candidate for Lake Oswego. That didn't win. <laughs> didn't win. <laughs> In fact, didn't win badly. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Yeah. Um, that one, that one surprised me. That at least the margin, we'll call it, of uh, of loss. But he was a he's a great guy, and I'm sure he'll do something else in Lake Oswego here moving forward. So. Yeah, I, you, I I wonder. I mean, that's a that's something that isn't talked about in the political world, you know. I mean, especially in that the local realm. Um, like when you when you have that when you have, put all your eggs in that basket, that's like that's like one of us going for a listing, Joe. And if you don't get it, you wait four years for the next listing. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Exactly. I mean, what do you what do you do at that point? I mean, like, uh, you go, go get a job. I, I or I mean, I, I guess. Yeah, that'd be rough. That's the downside. I mean, there's probably other downsides, by the way. But that's a that's a that's an unthought of thing that I think people don't appreciate about that world. That yeah, I, I don't want to be in that world at all. <laughs> yeah. Nor do I. Nor do I. But that's why we're here, and we're talking on the microphone instead, right? I want to point out to our to our viewers and and listeners. Look at Joe's background. Like he has a new camera, wide lens. The only thing you're missing, Joe, it would be so hilarious if just like as we're doing this, just somebody in your office just plops down at that table and like starts eating a, you know, eating a Big Mac or something (laughs) and slurping, (laughs) slurping on a, on a, on a 44 ounce. So we we had a guy there and he moved (laughs) because, because I'm going to be loud, but uh, (laughs) you know, you guys look so good on camera and I'm like, I didn't want the world to think, geez, Joe's so old, he only shows up in black and white on these Zoom calls. But it was the quality of the camera. So um, Craig Meyer uh, from Masters, it's my favorite thing in the world is not having to do research on something because someone's smarter, more techie than you 
already did all the research and I hooked up with Craig and he said, buy this light ring, buy this uh, webcam and you're set. And I just, I'm like, what is it called? And I'm right there on Amazon, just and they just and showed you up posted that. I remember that it was so is the answer in that post the the one you purchased was it like the you posted you posted a picture of a bunch of cameras and you said I'm thinking about getting a webcam yeah um it I don't know if it's the what I bought is in that picture I just did that to kind of get people's attention I think a visual picture is always great uh it brings people to the thread mm -hmm. and uh uh so after he very knowledgeable guy and he's kind of a photographer as well as realtor and he just said so i called him and he's like hey you know what uh what are you what are you using it for is money an option all that stuff and we went through it all and he said you need the logi l-o-g-i and it's a little square thing about yay big that's what i got right there oh no way yeah i need one of these 169 bucks Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's night and day difference. Yeah. Mine, I just use my computer, my, my notebook, but I have to push it so far back that I'm squinting to see you guys. Cause I, cause I want to have the, the bigger picture. Right. So that will solve that. Um, <clears throat> so, well, what are we going to talk about today, guys? Has there been anything exciting happening in masters lately? Nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> Crickets. Anything exciting in Portland? Uh, <laughs> I think, oh. I think we got some some good topics. We've we've got a full list here. I know uh, mm. the first one, we've got a couple of subtopics within it that we'll discuss um, that probably everybody saw go down over the last couple of days, which I think are important to address, not to drag people through the mud, but just to address because this is a community that Joe puts a lot of work into to keep it very high level and keep everybody, um, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy as much as you can. Right. And that's a, that's a very positive thing for a big group. Cause when big groups, they can go one of two ways, they can get real bad real quick, or they can stay really, really good. And Joe does a great job of keeping it, uh, the latter, which is really, really good. So anyway, we'll, Thank we'll you. rabbit hole a little bit, but, um, Steve, why don't you kick us off? What is our first topic? So this was one that, that, <clears throat> got a, it got about 136 likes, possibly about 36 of them on topic. <laughs> comments, you mean? Comments. Uh, I'm sorry, comments. Yes, thank you. 36 of them on topic and probably about 100 of them down rabbit holes and, and a little bit, um, well, not a little bit, a lot snarky and, and um, aggressive and all sorts of stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll read you the, the question. It was posted by none other than Joe here. And then I'll let you take it away, Joe, on, on how that was received and, and, and sure. yeah. what happened with it. So it says inspection obligations. And, and I, I could tell you were, you, were you were kind of priming the pump here a little bit, if you will. You were trying to word this in a way that got people a little bit fired up. I mean, and that, what, that in of itself is how some of the rabbit holes began. Not to your fault, but... You kind of started like, here's this egregious thing that was done. What do we do? And a couple of the comments kind of went, you know, you know, aggressive towards it in a joking way. Right. But people didn't see the jokes. So inspection obligations. I think one of the biggest wastes of time in our profession is babysitting a licensed and bonded home inspector during a home inspection in a vacant house where the buyers would not present, not be present. 
That is the lowest common denominator. I know it levels up from there. Owner occupied, buyer's agent, et cetera. What do you do with a below scenario? You find out the selling broker left the home inspection after unlocking the lockbox. The inspector and buyer were left alone together for four hours during the inspection in an owner occupied home. You did not give that broker permission to leave. What do you do? So stir in the pot a little bit, Joe, but in a good way. You want to get people's you know, <laughs> juices flowing and, and get some excitement happening. Well, you know, 130, 136 comments in what, four hours or something like that. Uh, you know, what inspired this post is, uh, and Tucker, I, you, you probably have access to MLS and you probably saw in the upper right-hand corner, it says, look, we have a mandatory uh, 10 questions for you. And they won't let you proceed until you go through these 10 questions and you know, you have to get it right. If you check a box and it's wrong, then you read it again and you check another one until you get all 10 correct and then you can move on. And I thought, hey, wouldn't this be a great either reconfirming uh, moment, uh, uh, you know, or a brand new lesson for somebody who might not know. Now, obviously this scenario is, you know, uh, egregious and, and a horrible breach of what we do. And I don't know that I explained it quite right. Um, I said the lowest common denominator as far as how pissed off you're gonna get is if a broker unlocked uh, a door that was vacant with no buyers and uh, didn't get permission to leave and left and got a coffee and came back, right? You can't be too mad about that, but then there's well, what if it's an owner-occupied house? That levels up a little bit. What if the buyers are, are, intend to be there the whole time? That levels up a little bit. So um, this fragment, fragmented into uh, three forks in the road. Uh, there's people talking about, hey, this is an egregious error, which is the correct answer. Um, people were fired up. And you know, I, I think there was an attempt to bring humor uh, to it. And the, I guess, people who are very sensitive to everything semantically pounced on that. And then it turned into a completely different issue, not on topic. And then the, and then the third avenue was, I did say, if it is a vacant house and you have permission from the realtor to let the inspector in, um, and the buyers won't be there. I don't want to be there. It's, you know, I have an inspector. I've seen hundreds of his reports. When it's done, I read the report. I talk to him. Being there to watch him do his inspection does zero, catching up on emails. And so people really shot flames at me for that. Um, but of course, it is a vacant house with permission. Um, buyers won't be there. And Let's face it, you know, uh, a lot of people are mandating that with COVID inspectors saying, look, I'm inspecting it. I don't want people breathing in my oxygen near me. And um, anyway, people landed on me because, you know, it's our duty and all this other stuff. Uh, what's blinding to me is an appraiser goes to a house unassisted. Uh, you have a roofer that's on top of the house. Um, they go, the sewer scope of the clean outs in front, they could do their thing. You don't have to be there. Uh, you know, people have radon inspections, right? They put the machine 
in the house and it takes a sample of air every 15 minutes, are we obligated to curl up next to it for 72 hours because an inspection's going on? No. So I'm a little bit being sarcastic, but those are the three ways it fragmented and I'll let you guys expand on it because you you read it all yourself as well. Yeah, um, <clears throat> let's. I wanted to talk first about kind of the the rabbit holes that went down. Um, and, you know, high level, not specifically about them. Um, even though you kind of, um, and then we can talk about the issue itself. So, um, to your point, Joe, you you worded it in a way to get people's attention, get them fired up, and 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 and, and one of the. Uh, uh, effects of that was the the tension not the ten, the the intensity of the thread was at a high level several people um noticed that and just threw out little jokes to bring it down like right kind of like extreme examples you know i mean without getting specific one was like the death penalty this is the death penalty right um yeah. how you know, and um and there is a seg a, a newer segment of the masters group who has developed and has sort of become the vigilantes of of appropriateness self-appointed by the way and quite self-righteous in their indignation and their approach to this where they have um they have decided that it's our job within this group. And, and of course, the world's a big place and Facebook's a big place. And, and by all means, I'm sure they do it all other places and, and, and that's their prerogative. But this, this is a set group and there's rules for this group. And, um, and, and despite that, they have decided that they are going to go on a mission to find the people who they feel have crossed the line. And by the way, they decide where the line is, okay? We all know speech is subjective. Not everything is black and white, right? We know the, we know the black, we know the really bad stuff. And of course, that's, that's an issue. But what we're talking about stuff easily in the gray, right? Subjectively, you know, one person, you know, you, you say it to 10 people, one or two might be offended, eight, eight are like, oh, he's joking, okay? They've, um, and so they jumped on this and these, and this isn't the first time. I mean, this, there's been for months now, other posts where it's been visibly obvious that they are looking for the, the, the negative and honing in on it. A new tool in their war chest is the new change to the NAR rules, National Association of Realtor rules, which are rules and they're good rules. It's designed to say that, hey, anytime you're on social media as a realtor, if you're discriminatory or you're doing negative things, it affects the realtor brand. It can and it could be an ethics violation. Okay. But but they're 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 using that in the in ways it's not intended to be used, in my opinion, because they're going after just again subjective joking things that that aren't offensive to the to the masses, just to them. And I almost call this, um, I almost call it reverse bullying, okay? <laughs> bullying, traditional bullying is where a person, the bully, right, finds a subject and, and is aggressive towards them in, in, a, in an attempt to cause them pain. This, to me, is almost the opposite. It's where somebody is aggressive towards somebody to, to, to call them a bully 
because they've 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 anointed them as that. We've decided you're a bully, not because of what we perceive you've done. So we're gonna out you. We're gonna um, publicly shame you as a bully, and it's it's um, it's just gone way out of control to the point that there is a uh, a long term member of Masters today who has posted an apology and that's not, that's great that, that, that he's, he's saying, I, you know, I didn't realize and I didn't intend to offend anyone. If I did, I'm sorry. I'm going to take a break from this group for a while because clearly, you know, tensions are high. Po politics is high. And, and, and I, I just want to be careful and I need a break. And that's such a travesty to the group because this is a, this is a very, um, wise, um, intelligent agent who's been around for years, has tons to share, and is really darn funny, by the way, really darn funny. And uh, knowing him personally, this is so important to him. And that's what's frustrating for me is he he communicates his best through writing because of a, a, a challenge he has, a disability he has with hearing. So I, I know this about him because when you call him as an agent, as I do, we're doing two transactions with him right now, by the way. When you call him, he doesn't answer. He just texts you back because writing is his. It's almost like that's his. He's he's Black like summer. a fish in. Yeah, it's, he's a fish in water when he's writing because that's where he he communicates best. So now that's that's been ripped away from him because of this this mentality of aggression towards anybody perceived to be not following their book rule book of what's appropriate and what's not. And um, one of those people, um, I'll, I'll touch on this, Joe, and you can expound. One of those people posted something yesterday, late yesterday. I, I was getting ready for this podcast and was going through and trying to pick some topics and, and read, get familiar with some stuff. All of a sudden, a thread comes on that was high-charged politically with no clear in indication in my mind of anything real estate related. It was about the red house. It was about um, the what's going on in North Portland. And it was 100% political to the tune of, you know, this finally justice is being served here. Um, it didn't even try to pretend, you know, a lot of times, Joe, you've, you've said this in the past. A lot of times people will put political posts and they'll go, how does this affect real estate? And, and you call them out and you're like, Hey, this isn't really a real estate topic. This one didn't even pretend to do that. It, it didn't even say, Hey, because this is a house, it affects our industry. out." <laughs> so, um, and, and then that, that one just went, that one went crazy within minutes. That one had 40, 50 comments all down a political path of was this right? Was this wrong? And um, and that person was being very, very uh, aggressive once again in their agenda of um, of promoting their beliefs and 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 forcing them on everybody else. You you had a great comment there where you said, Joe, uh, and forgive me if I misquote this, but you said you to that person, um, you don't. You, you have your opinions, and whenever someone disagrees with them, your immediate go-to answer is you need to educate yourself. Right. right? Some, something a, along it, those that's lines. That's a direct quote, actually. Yeah. Uh, it, it's you, you start this. So what we're describing is activists, right? So we have COVID. We have to stay home. We are consolidated and confined and, you know, people need a, a, some kind of a release every day. And, and I get it, you know, you're an activist, you support a, a person, group of people or group that 
you know, can't support themselves, can't speak for themselves. Very, very noble. But this is masters in real estate, not master activists. And just because you throw in real estate at the end of your thread is a bullshit way to, to get your activism uh, through the group. If I come in and say, before the election, if Donald Trump wins, wins the election, the United States is going down the shitter. And so will our local real estate. Is that about real estate? No, it's about you like Biden, you hate Trump. And um, I'm sensitive to that. And I will not allow activists to semantically chop up everything because we'll never talk about the topic at hand. It will just be, well, you didn't say this. Now you get in trouble, not only for what you say, but sometimes for what you didn't say. And those are the people I hate the most. I go to the office or I come home and you compliment someone, gee, you look nice today. And it's like, well, did I look like trash all week long? You know, what, what is it about today that I finally look good? It's, I'm not saying that, but there's a lot of controversial people out there. And with these posts, they start the thread and then there's people like, oh my God, you're right. You are absolutely right. I'm going to do that and I'm going to be more sensitive. And then they comment on every single comment that comes through, you know, hearts, loves, likes, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then the people that say, well, you know, I don't, I don't agree with you. It's not on topic, but since we're talking about it, I don't agree with you. And then it's like, well, you know, you should really watch this hour and a half class and educate your, your dumb ass because you don't agree with me. So you're an idiot. And it's like, it's like kindergartners going into a sandbox. It's like you have class, you do stuff. And all of a sudden you get to be like on the beach and there's toys and there's other kids in there. And it's like, this is going to be great. And it always ends with people with sand in their eyes. Everybody's crying but at the end of it, they all have a good nap later because they had that release. And whatever the lack of release is for these people that feel they need to get in confrontations for 40 minutes on the web, you know, take up yoga, go for a walk, <laughs> you know, uh, meditate, whatever it is. But don't keyboard mash for 40 minutes there to affirm the people that agree with you and disparage the people that disagree with you. And all the while, our topic had absolutely nothing to do with what transpired there. We were talking about, I was trying to coach people, either remind those people who knew, here's the our protocol, and those who didn't know, by the way, this is bad if you do this. And it turned into something entirely different. And I do not want activists, you know, call them social Antifa or whatever, I don't want them coming in and hijacking masters because we will lose great people because, you know, how many times do you see people that say, dude, I got to take a break from Facebook. I cannot handle it. People are yelling and screaming at each other. And I just, I'm going to check out and they do it all the time. And, and uh, our group has lost some terrific people because of other people sort of bullying them to their views and their agenda. So. Mm -hmm. um, a, a, a word to the wise for those people. If you find yourself in a combative situation on every post, you're the common denominator in that, right? Mm 
Like it, it, it's not always the same. It would be a little bit different if it was always the same topic. Like you'd go, okay, that person is really passionate about that one thing. Okay. I get it. And, but, but it's just, it's, they're, they're different topics, you know, one might be a, you know, a, a me too topic. One's one might be, you know, um, about, you know, another class of people. I mean, it, everything you're looking through, it's, it reminds me of that saying, if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If every post, if you're looking at it through the lens if, of every post, I'm going to find where they're being discriminatory or unjust and I'm going to hammer on it. I mean, you're going to find it. You're, they're looking for those, for those problems. Um, here, let me, let me put, put, let me put it another way. We don't do that in masters with other stuff. We don't do it with real estate matters. Can you imagine Joe, if I went on masters or if you went on masters and every day we're looking for that rookie newbie who's saying something stupid and we're going to point it out to him, right. you idiot. You really think you're going to get business that way? You really think that's the best way to help your client? You really think that's what uh, you, you don't know the answer to that? You know, imagine how hostile the group would be. We we don't do that typically, I mean, and it wouldn't be allowed. Yet they want to do that with social things. Everything they want to do that from through in, in a social manner. So, um, and 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 the ramifications. Are, are it becomes a toxic group, which I've felt this week. I, I know a lot of other people have felt, but even bigger than that, it, the, the group will lose its value if the people who have good things to say are afraid to say them because they're afraid of their own shadow when it comes to talking and, and, and sharing because you just don't know the rules of the road. That group of activists has makes the rules and they, they're allowed to attack us as willy-nilly as those rules change in their minds. So today saying this might be okay, but tomorrow it might not. And so, oh gosh, I'll, I'll just play it safe and I won't say anything or everything I say will be so vanilla and so boring that we're all going to go, why are we on this group? Like, you know, so... um. Not to mention, have a little fun. I mean, the and 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 again, where no one's advocating for anything improper, over the top improper. But I mean, know your audience. I, I, you and I talked on the phone for a little bit yesterday, Joe. Um, actually, a long bit. <laughs> I think it was over an hour and a half. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, I was like, Joe's the moderator of the group. He created the group. Joe, you've put posts on your own personal, not on the group, but on your own personal page where you're like, what does golf have in common with things you would say in the bedroom, right? Okay. Right, yeah. Um, and you're having fun and, you, and you're like, keep it, you know, keep it PG-17, I think is the, the term you use. So, <laughs> so for, for people to assume that, that a term that is so barely, barely in the gray is going to be horrific in the group is just not accurate accurate and it's not who you are and so why would why would it be the 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 group right so anyways that that and by the way the uh just to give aftermath the person who did that post yesterday about that um that red house and the purely political post with an agenda to 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 
to to promulgate their beliefs, you kind of told the person, hey, look, this isn't what this group's about. They got combative with you. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Joe, I mean, you took the post down and I don't think that person's in the group anymore. So that's, that's he's, correct. Joe is serious and, about keeping the environment healthy. Well, yeah, um, it's got to be a safe space and people should be able to uh, speak freely. Obviously, if, if you are uh, uttering clear hate speech, then you should be booted. Um, if you say double entendres, uh, something that has a double meaning, uh, you know, I really don't want the world to land on them and focus on that. I want to focus on the subject at hand. You know, 99% of the group has no idea uh, about what happened last night because it lasted, I think, all of 56 minutes. And uh, these are direct quotes, uh, you know, with this post, uh, there were phrases and these are all actual quotes, uh, the phrase racial justice, uh, intensely racist system, educate yourself about the white supremacist roots. These are quotes that person said and was trying to hide behind, hey, I'm not political at all. Well, wh whatever you call it, um, it is political. And she shot some darts back at me and I'm kind of like, um, well, you know, I, time to silence this person. Uh, uh, look, I think it's completely noble that people believe so strongly about something, they commit their life to, you know, what they are a, a strong activist for, but it just, it, it's, you're selling too much. I mean, everything has to relate to that and everything you do, and this isn't the place for it. And I, I think I told you guys a story before, and I'll, I'll give you the mini version, but you know, when I was in grade school, I had one of these great big boom box radios and it took like eight D batteries that I couldn't afford as a, you know, a fifth grader, but I plugged it into the wall and you can still listen to the radio. It was really loud. Well, I'd be in my room, a great song comes on. I crank it. My dad comes in. He's like, Hey, please turn that down. I do 10 minutes later, another great song. I forget. I crank it. He's like, okay. Last time, you know, turn that down. I'm a fifth grader. I forget. Another great song comes on. I crank it. He comes in and takes the power cord and walks out. Problem <laughs> solved, right? It's, it's, he, he silenced it and, and solved the problem at the same time. And rather than trying to convince people to follow the rules of the group and stay within the guidelines, um, sometimes you just got to take their power cord and, uh, I, I gave, matter of fact, uh, I gave every opportunity uh, for that person to stay in the group and they wanted to, they were, it was a kamikaze mission apparently, and it lasted all of, you know, an hour on the group and it's, it's been nuked and, and so has that person. And, you know, hopefully we won't have such a difficult time talking about topics uh, in the future. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. We've got some comments here. Um, Don Johnson said, let's not forget that NAR has recently amended the code of ethics to include hate speak on social media, even when it's not real estate related, which I mentioned. I see brokers violating this new standard all the time. OK, uh, totally agree. I mean, that's that is a new rule. No one's questioning that that's a new rule. Um, let's and, remember and, this. That, I mean, just because you're a real estate broker doesn't mean your mother, Teresa. 
there's plenty mm-hmm. of assholes that are real estate brokers, just like there's plenty <laughs> of assholes that are loan officers that are plenty of assholes that are insurance agents. Right. So just because that's post, I mean, yeah, yeah I saw people quoting that all the time, but it's like, what does that really mean? Right. It just means that those of you that are good people remain good people. And those of you that are not probably are not right. It, it, that's all that means. Could, couldn't hate speech be the people that are, I mean, hate is, is a term you could use towards somebody that's very um, vigilante that, that is saying, True. I, you, you are, you are doing this and it's wrong. So I hate you. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it, it's very subjective. I don't, we've, I've not seen anything in what we're talking about that even goes remotely close to where an ethics violation would be something that was seriously considered in that regards. Um, then we also have Robert Langley said, very good podcast. Thanks guys. Heather Brown, um, validated something that I was saying. She said, as a fairly new agent, I am worried about commenting because I see this happening and would never want to be singled out for something. Yesterday, I saw that post and wasn't about to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Great podcast. Thank you. I imagine, I mean, you know, some of us, some of us have been around longer. We're a little bit, you know, thicker skinned. And so we might actually be, you know, be able to, to, to stand up to that. But, but imagine it from like Heather's saying, if you're a new agent, you're a little timid, you see, you see this aggressive, almost, um, pa- pack mentality of attacking people happening you don't want to be in that scenario look brian bell we're trying not to get specific with names but the person that i said before he's a he's a strong individual that's been in the business for many years and he's bowing out imagine someone like heather brown new in the business getting your footing imagine if you got attacked by by you know uh, a pack that was saying you broke the rules you cross the line we make the rules you're not following them that would be horrific for somebody new so i i get her point so well the, it has the been- benefit the benefit of this group is um it's threefold um there are uh newer agents here and they have questions and they're going straight to the source people who have been in it 20 25 30 35 years and so the the new people have a space where they can ask questions and get really fabulous answers and then you know you have some of the the older generation that this is their time to be the authority and you know give their great opinions and great answers so you you have the students that appreciate the the teachers that uh, appreciate it but holistically in the group um we're all becoming better like more professional more ethical more knowledgeable and you know i made Masters is, is going to be nine years old, uh, the, the first or second week of January. And, you know, I spoke to the Clatsop County group of realtors and they asked me, why did you create it? And it's a full-time job. Why do you do this for no money? And all I could really tell them is when we go out and have a real estate transaction, there's 10 people involved in any transaction. You know, you got a buyer, a seller, maybe a builder, you got an appraiser a lender, an inspector, contractors, home warranties. So if anybody there really drops the ball, you're gonna have an incredibly difficult time if the appraiser appraises it low or the lender you know, drops the ball or whatever it may be, you're gonna have a difficult time making it to the finish line, which is why all of us together need to get better. 
And you should be able to ask a question and get a straight answer and not have people pick it apart, whether you used the correct vernacular, you know, pronouns or, or whatever. I, you know, I read the new NAR rules and there isn't anything um, egregious here in, in masters. Uh, however, people who are hypersensitive try and pounce on every little thing. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to stop that and either tell them, hey, look, find a group which everyone agrees with you and then which are out there by the way they are out there. which which are which are out there or find a group that everyone disagrees group. with you either way you know get that need to let steam out of the pressure cooker but <laughs> here we're trying to talk about the law and ethics and uh you know the activists always want to make it entirely about whatever the topic is, it's gonna circle back to whatever they want. And so Heather, it, that I appreciate your comment that hurts me uh, right in the heart because I, I want new brokers to be able to ask questions and participate without feeling like uh, they're gonna get, you know, publicly socially ridiculed and, you know, hate mail and private messages. Uh, you know, leave that to me. I get enough private messages as it is. So uh, uh, I don't want it to be in this group. So anyway, I think we kind of beat a dead horse. On totally. That. Totally. Let's move on from there. Let's get to some let's get to some meat and potato subjects. So back to your um, actual post and the 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 36 comments <laughs> that were really about it. Um, I agree with you, Joe, if if I mean, Time at an inspection is probably the most dead time an agent can have, with the exception possibly of if the buyer's there and you're building some rapport with them, but that can only go for so long. I mean, it's pretty hard. I'm hard-pressed to imagine you're going to sit there and small talk and become buddies and, and create you know, a relationship for three hours, right, at, at a home inspection. So I've always been a big believer of, um, I'm going to tell you what my objective is, and then I'm going to tell you how I accomplish it. My objective is to be there for the final walkthrough, possibly have the buyer there just for the final walkthrough. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm even talking beyond COVID, right? COVID has definitely changed the rules of the road a little bit, but even in a normal time, if the inspection's three hours, I want to be there for the last 20, 30 minutes. I want to see the clients. I want to chat with them for a little bit, revalidate re that the house is great with them as they look around a little bit more. Then I want to see the inspector, have them do the walkthrough, and then kind of get out of there. Okay, that's my objective. Now, is the proper way to do that, show up, unlock the door, um, and then get out of there and leave everybody alone without asking for permission? Absolutely not. So usually in my world, I'm... I'm having a team member that's a licensed agent open the door and be there during the inspection. And usually they're they're working at a table or doing something um, with a computer, you know, making their time as valuable as possible while the inspector is doing their job. And then we're telling the client, come towards the end again for the walkthrough. And then I'm showing up and either the agent that opened up the door is leaving or sticking around. Sometimes, can I tell you guys, and I hope our listeners take this to heart. If you are a new agent, there is nothing that will fast track your knowledge of homes better 
than going to as many inspection walkthroughs as possible. So, so a lot of times I'm encouraging that, that other agent, the one that opened the door, stick around, be a fly on the wall, learn, listen, listen to how they explain the roof situation, how it can be addressed, an approximation of what that would take. Um, listen to them explain um, uh, uh, electrical panels, the issues that they look for there, on and on and on. If, if the average agent um, goes to, say the average agent sells 10 houses a, a year and say six of them are, are purchases. If they go to six purchase inspections a year, in five years, they've gone to 30, right? Imagine a new agent who can come to someone like me and go, hey, can I just open up your door for your inspection? Throw me a little bit of money and I'll, I'll be there, but let me stick around for the, for the walkthrough. Imagine if they go to 30 inspections in three months. Imagine how much they've expanded their knowledge base. They've learned in three months what an, another agent might take five years to learn when it comes to houses. Um, and Tucker, you and I have talked about this on the podcast. One, I've, uh, you famously said, Tucker, real estate is one of the few sales products where you don't need to know your product to sell it. And, and you weren't saying in a good way, right? You were saying that's a bad part of real estate, right? It is. It is. And, it, and it leaves some major friction points in a lot of transactions because of that. And also on the front end, kind of evaluating product, right? It, because it's, you can do comps and you can look at, you know, what's sold. But if you can't truly understand the product that you're selling and some of the intricacies of it, you really can't value it 100% properly, right? Um, and I know that, you know, it's, it's kind of or a sell nuance it sometimes. Yeah, or sell it for that matter. Explain it properly, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. maybe a, a sump pump system under the house and why it's there and where the water comes from and how you solve it and where it goes and, you know, things like that that most agents have no idea, right? And so that that is what I was talking about. That's just one example. But, you know, most agents have no idea about the actual product themselves. They know about you know, cost per foot and comps and things like that. But the actual house itself, they know very little about it. And, and that, you know, is something that you can work on and improve as you're alluding to, which I think is extremely important. And that ultimately is what I think separates a lot of agents on that front from others is they, they spend the time to actually learn a little bit more about the product itself. Absolutely. And, and it, I, I've, I've known people that get in the business and they're good at sales, right? And they do pretty good. But imagine and how much better they get exponentially better when they master the, the product too. If they, and, and how you do that is you go to a lot of inspection walkthroughs, right? And you just fast track your knowledge base of homes and what they're made up and what it, what it takes to fix them and what it takes to maintain them. And, and when you have that coupled with a good sales ability, buyers eat it up. They know you, they know, you know, your stuff when you're at that next showing and you go, yeah, we just had an inspection a month ago. This was an issue, man, you, they know you're not making that up and they, and they, 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 they want to work with you. So I think where I'm going with this is, um, to solve this problem, new agents should be knocking on the doors of the experienced agents going, let me solve this problem for you. Let me open up your inspections for you. I'm licensed. I can be there. I can save you time. Possibly there's some compensation. I think there should be, to be fair. 
Um, and I'll, but also let me be there for the walkthrough. I won't say a word. I just want to learn. Okay. And that is the, that is how you solve this, this conundrum of how does a guy like you and me, Joe have who's selling houses and very busy. How do we not have a bunch of dead time at these inspections? Um, you absolutely have to ask for permission. If no one's going to be there, that's, that's a no brainer. And, um, do you have anything to add to any of that, Joe, or should we move on to the next topic? Yeah, let's move on. I think we we talked through it. Uh, matter of fact, we talked about uh, all the things that weren't on topic <laughs> for quite a while, and it's it's nice to actually talk about it. But the scenario I I made was uh, definitely against the the rules. Um, the However, next one I want to talk about, Joe, then, since we're moving on, is your photo one. I thought that one was interesting. And I don't think I've seen it in Masters before. You said, remove photos or at least the virtual tour. I encountered this for the first time this year. Has anyone else been asked? I'll tell you what I did in the comments. Let me know your experiences. At closing, buyer's agent asks you, the listing agent, to remove all your photos of the home from the internet. Is this normal? Ever heard of this? What would you do or say? Tell us about your experience, Joe. Well, it was a listing of mine in West Lynn. Um, uh, Beth Benner, who's in this group, uh, was the selling agent. And I love her. She's an amazing professional realtor, um, great advocate for her uh, customers. And, you know, I advocate for the sellers and it wasn't always easy, but very, very professional and respectful. And it, I don't know if it was brought to her attention at all, but we closed, the buyers moved in, and then the buyers contacted the virtual tour company and said, hey, kill this virtual tour. And the virtual tour company contacted me and said, hey, just wanted to let you know, these people want to kill the tour, it's it's your tour, what do you want to do? And and I said, yeah, no problem. I said, I'll, I'll just kill it on my end. I would have loved to have had it in my portfolio for another successful listing sold and it had some cool remodeled areas that show up well on on tours but out of respect for them i did kill the tour which means i had to delete it and i can't use it but in my mind um i i didn't wipe the 32 photos from rmls that's important for other realtors for comps for appraisers uh it's it's valuable and i think it's against the rules to to kill those anyway so i left all the photos those have been syndicated around the world a gazillion times so i'm sure if i killed it at the rmls level it would still be on the trulias and zillows and you know red fins of the world uh but i did honor their wish and and kill the tour that's the first time i've i've ever been asked that and i i get it people are private it's not a type of a house that you know you need to do your mission impossible where you need to see the layout out of it so you can go rob it faster it's it's kind of what you'd expect it to be um and these are photos of the prior uh, owner's stuff not mm. their stuff nonetheless they asked and i obliged and evidently uh it's more common than we think because a lot of people said that they were asked that and uh, had to deal with that themselves. I think it's important to point out there's no obligation to ad adhere to that. Um, 
I think this, like anything else and along those lines, is a, a request of a courtesy. And if you feel like you want to try to oblige, you can. And and maybe you will do that if it was a it was a nice transaction. The agent was nice. The buyers were nice. They, they everything seemed. Then I could see where you go. Okay, you, you know, it's this is off the beaten path. It's not required of me. Um, but let me see what I can do. Okay. But you don't have to do this. The photos are owned by technically the photographer, but usually they sign it over to the listing agent. And nobody else has rights to those photos. I don't care who owns the house now. I learned this years ago. I did a marketing piece. There was a, a really cool house that I, I'd seen that was on the market. It was vacant. I sent a photographer out to take a picture of it because I thought it was just perfect for a, a great marketing piece I wanted to do. Somewhere along the line, years later, I was still using that marketing piece and I'm still using it today, by the way. Um, some some old guy called me and he's like, you've got my house on your book. It was, it's actually a little home buying book. You've got my house on your book. I'm going to sue you. And I at the time, this was actually 13, 14 years ago. At the time, I mean, I was I was courteous to the guy, and I you know I said I'm sorry you feel this way. It wasn't your house when when I, we took the photos. Um, I should probably check with legal counsel, and you know, let's you know I'm happy to talk to you again in the future. So I I called a, a copyright attorney. They they said he has no leg to stand on. He does even if he owned the house at the time of the photo, he has no leg to stand on. the The photo. The rules are, are very clear. The photo is owned by the person that took to, takes the photo and anyone else that they sign it over to. So it, this, this, is a, this is a, in my opinion, this is a case by case. It's not a requirement. You have no obligation to do it. I think in some ways it is, I think it's negative to do it in some ways. Um, we all benefit years from now when that house, when that seller calls us or we need it as a comp or whatever the case we benefit when we see we have access to those photos in the future so i think in some ways it's hurting us when when they're taken down um and i, I think just there's two it's a twofold request i think most because we've had it we've had people that we don't sell a home to but then they buy the home years later and they reach out to us and they say we want you to take the photos off your website for a home that we built right and we're like well Sorry, not sorry, right? Um, but it, it's usually twofold. They fall in two buckets. One is crazy, super paranoid homeowner, right? That just thinks somebody is going to mission impossible their house or <laughs> like, alluded to, right? Like that's yeah. option one. Option two is that they feel that um, it may hurt them in terms of the county trying to increase their property taxes, right? If there was some renovations done and things like that, generally because we sell houses that have renovations. And so then they send the questionnaire to the next people to buy it. And they say, you know, we noticed the home sold, what's been done, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so they want those removed to try and limit their exposure to increases in property taxes, which I understand bucket two fully get it. Bucket one, that's crazy town. And you know, it just is what it is. Right. But um, we have had a lot of people that I've kind of flushed it out and been like, okay, well, what is it that you're trying to accomplish here? And and there are a lot of people that are afraid of that increase in property taxes. Now, if it's just a, a house that's been the way it's been for a long time and, you know, it's pictures from the previous you know, owner and, you know, it's their stuff, I, I think they generally fall into bucket one if that's the request they're asking. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had a comment. Brandon Hayes said, I did hear some tax assessors are using photos to increase property taxes. Hey, they are. I get it. But um, maybe you owe those taxes. How about that crazy idea, right? I mean, yeah, maybe who wants to I pay those. Steve? I know, I know, I understand, and I'm not. I, I, but, but I mean, is it my? Is it our job to to try to um, fudge the rules to to help somebody from from paying something that maybe is due because the the value of the house did increase? I don't know. I mean, no, it's not. I, but that's the, just an underlying drivers to the request, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get what you're saying, and 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 I'm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, uh, let's see, I was going to say something else in this regards. Um, I, I can say that I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, my situation was easy. They asked that they kill the virtual tour. They didn't ask that I kill it in RMLS or everywhere else. So they asked, it was important to them. I killed it. Um, you know, when, when I have my literature that goes out, uh, it, if it's a stock photo, it's either paid for public domain, or I really try and get the permission from the person that owns the house. Uh, I don't want to be in a situation where someone says, hey, that's my house on your advertising, and, and all of a sudden it's trouble, right? So, you know, I, I, I've sold hundreds of gorgeous houses. I, you know, there's one I, less that I can use in my portfolio, big deal. Um, mm. But it, it seems to be more important to those people than it does to me. So I don't want to be the guy that says, hey, screw you. I took the picture. I own it. I'm doing it anyway. There's nothing sure. And, and I'm not encouraging a hardline stance either way. Hopefully that was clear here, guys. This is, this yeah. is a case by case. You have no obligation to do this. If you want to do it, do it. If you don't, you don't need to. So, and, and we can kind of just leave it at that. Um, Let's go to the next subject. I thought that was a great one, Joe. And it it has come up for us. It has come up for us. And and typically we try to accommodate to some minor extent, but but sometimes sometimes they're calling you and going, it's on realtor.com. Get it off there. And I'm like, I mean, they, they have this conception that we we have control of every site that has those photos now, right? And that's where it gets it gets a little too much. Um <laughs> Joe, let's talk about your tough conversation one. Um if you don't get a listing, whether a friend or anyone else, I like to ask what the tipping point was for them. I'd also like to know if there's anything I could have done better and if there's anything I said they didn't like. I believe this only makes me better, but it's sometimes an awkward conversation. This question can also work with friends who don't buy through you as well. And I think the question ultimately here was, um, if a friend doesn't use you, um, was there what was the question beyond that, Joe? Help me out here. I'm well, um, you know, it's basically addressing the elephant in the room. Um, you have uh, a friend that lists their house with somebody else. And rather than just avoiding it, I think it could actually help and, you know, make you guys closer, get it out of the way. And it's like, hey, how look, do you, you politely know, ask the friend why they didn't list with you? I found it. What do you do if they get defensive? Go, well, go ahead. Yeah, everybody doesn't have just one friend that's a realtor. You, you probably have a few. And I've been told reasons in the past, like, hey, my wife is best friends with someone and she's a realtor. Or, you know, a guy I've known my whole life said, you know what, you know, I know you, I want to go with someone I don't know, because if I have to be an asshole, I can. And that was the entire excuse <laughs> I had gotten. Um, and some people say, look, I just kind of, you know, don't want you up in my business because you're going to know where we are financially. And I just... I want to be friends and I don't want you knowing my financial situation. 
there are great reasons, you know, or, you know, maybe they say, look, I don't think you work very hard or your marketing sucks, whatever it may be. <laughs> just you listed with someone else. I want to be better in what I do. You know, I'm not going to get them all. And I'm just going to say, Hey, you listed with someone else. Maybe, uh, you know, not mad. Uh, I love you for you independent of if you do business with me or not, but was there anything I did or didn't do or could do better in the future? And let me know what it is and then move on. And then, you know, you don't get these, oh God, here comes that guy. And, you know, I, I didn't use him. And we're going to have this weird conversation about, you know, kids' play dates and the weather and everything else. Just say, hey, you listened to your house. You, you, you didn't use me. It sold. Congratulations. I'm happy. And, you know, maybe shed some light on it and move on. Uh, it's, it's some, there's something about hitting things head on and then putting a pin in it and just forgetting about it, right? Don't let it take up mental uh, real estate in your mind. Address it, be done with it, and then it's dead to you. Um, mm-hmm. But all these unfinished conversations just make it um, really kind of awkward. So, mm-hmm. uh, and there are a lot of different uh, philosophies that people had that, you know, I just stopped talking with them all together or I address it or I address it from a, from a perspective of, Hey, I'd like to do better. And is there anything I could have done better to have earned your business? And anyway, you get it, you get it off the table. And mm-hmm. that's the reason I brought that up. I thought there were a lot of great responses too. Mm-hmm. I want to take it in a slightly different direction. So I have a newer agent on my team and they had done several transactions for friends and family, right? Do you know when I got the most excited for them in their career? When? When they convinced a complete stranger to use them, right? That, that to me is the true sign of a professional. Um, and and I, guess, I guess where I'm going with this is I, I see, I, we actually were doing a coaching session re- recently and, um, and there was a book that this was based on. I was doing a coaching session with Rick Gray, who's been on this podcast before. And there's a book that's been based on, it was talking about different, different types of uh, realtors. And one of the categories is a, is a relationship realtor. Now I know at the surface, that sounds great, right? We're all like, well, of course we're, we're in the business of relationships. And I, that's not, I get that. But, but the idea of the relationship re- realtor is, they perceive that business comes from people they people they know and friends okay and and that is the it's linear so their focus of their business is the more friends i have the more business i will get okay there's problems with that one of the problems is you can only have so many friends so you're going to plateau really fast okay the other problem is now your business planning is not, hey, what's the experience I'm creating? What are the systems I'm building? What's the marketing I'm doing? That's not your business plan. You know what your business plan is? I need to join a country club. I need to, I need to go to cocktail parties. I, I, your, your, your business plan is to have a bunch of friends, right? And those people oftentimes are going to see that the, the fallacy in that, the, as you meet those friends, they will, they will look at your business and they'll go, you know, you, you're a nice guy, but 
I'm, I'm peeking through the curtains and I'm just not seeing a solid business plan, right? I'm not seeing that you deliver excellence. You don't strive for excellence. So I would encourage people to, to be cautious in this approach of friendship equates to business. We all want our friends to use us. Don't get me wrong. We all do. But if that's the value add you are giving is, hey, you should use me because I'm your friend, it's, it's going to be fraught with problems. Yeah, that's, I think should, that's my spin there. You should interview for every job, someone you've known your whole life, someone you don't know. You should um, be hired on the merits of your professionalism, marketing, knowledge, all that stuff. And just because you have a best friend that has a real estate need doesn't mean you're the de facto realtor. So, you know, you're only as good as your last fight and you got to show them that if they didn't know you whatsoever, what you bring to the table. Um, but you know, sometimes, nope. sometimes you don't get picked and, you know, I prefer to just have that conversation up front, build a business that is so attractive to strangers that you don't even care if your friends use you. That's kind of right. where I'm going. And yeah. by the way, if you do that, right, guess who's going to use you a lot of times your friends, cause they're going to see that they're going to see that they're going to, they're going to go, wow, that guy has got a lot of business. And he's, and it's not because he's, he's shoving his friends around saying, you better use me or I'm going to stop talking to you and not being your friend. He, they're they're going to use you because they, they get it. You've put a lot of in, energy and thought and, and um, time into your business to make it a flourishing, good business that does a great job and is proficient. Let's move on to our last one. This was posted by me. We'll finish with this. Basically, it is a um market update so um what in the world is going on with the tale of two years here huh yeah let me let me just read what i have here i was going to change screens i said uh joe tucker and i will be doing a live podcast and market update this friday at 9 a.m we're on it right now um please join us if you can on that note we're looking for good material to discuss so here's my question for the group are the rest of you not feeling the typical holiday slowdown this year? I heard one person the other day refer to this month as June Ember. What are your thoughts? Tucker, let's start with you. You've, you um, this is definitely something you, you have much to say about. So tell us what you're feeling. Well, let's rewind to when we had Terry and Justin and Randy on the show. Remember that? Just, seems like I just talked to ago. both those guys this week. I talked to, I'm doing a deal with Terry Sprague and I actually was chatting with Justin about a, a listing that I've got. And uh, I, both of them, I brought that up. Go ahead, Tucker. And anyway, that seems like forever ago now, almost like maybe a, a decade in Corona years. Uh, but it was this year. And, you know, we were kind of like, I don't know. Are we falling off a cliff? Is the high end going to take a nosedive? Um, you know, houses seem to be frozen. There was what we thought was an uptick in inventory at a certain point there. We didn't know which direction that was going to go, whether it was going to be absorbed. And then here we are at pretty much uh, what was the, our newest numbers will come out, what, in a couple of days. But my guess is that inventory numbers are going to hover right around one month, right, which is where they were last month. Um, which was actually for the previous month, but I don't see much change in the inventory numbers. If anything, I think, you know, maybe down a touch, at least in, in my area here uh, in Lake Oswego. Um, it's crazy, man. It's, uh, it's, 
you know, supply and demand has never been more obvious in terms of what it does to the market. Now, if you sprinkle cheap money on top and, you know, people have kind of figured out who gets to stay employed and who doesn't in this new Corona world, it's nuts. Um, and so anything that goes on market, if it's priced anywhere reasonable based on the product and condition, it's probably sold in a day or two, right? Um, so I think it's, you know, that's what I'm seeing. You know, we've pre-sold, uh, you know, a $3 million plus product, um, you know, which is a, a big thing. We've got, you know, a, a number of others that, you know, we'll probably sell before they're done as well if we wanted to right now. Um, so it's, it's crazy. And I know you're, you know, you're going gangbusters too, Steve. So, I mean, is that, are you seeing your listings sell quickly for the most part that are priced in that, you know, 5% bracket, let's say of where they should be. Let me give you an example, Tucker. This one's in Lake Oswego. We, we helped a guy hurt. He was relocating from California in the summertime and he was looking in Lake Oswego and we found him a house. It was listed at, and we, we closed in, I want to say July. It was listed at eight fifty, I believe we got it. We got it for eight thirty nine, and we got 10,000 closing costs. Right after it closed, his dad passed away in California <clears throat> and he realized I need to take care of my mom. I can't move back up to Oregon. Steve, we need you to sell this house. So within a matter of three and a half months, we're putting this exact same house on the market. Okay. We got three offers. We're, we're in the eight high 800s. Not a thing was done to the house. That was a July sale. And now this is a December sale, right? So when I'm, when I'm posting going, does this feel like December to you? I'm like, it's crazier than July by, by that stat that, you know, that one um, measure there. Um, no. And w w things are moving fast, but, but what's even just as, just as unique right now is how much is coming on the market. How many listings People are people aren't aren't waiting for the spring like you you feel historically as much so it doesn't seem like and I don't nor do I think they should be nor do I think they should be um I'll be honest with you I don't know what's going to happen when a vaccine is really opening things up and I know that's going to be a slow rollout it's not you know it's not like Tuesday everything's closed up Wednesday the vaccine's out and everything's opened up it's going to be it's going to be a process of months and months right but. For the last eight, nine months, there's no doubt about it that housing has benefited tremendously from COVID. And the focus on home, the fact that the wallet doesn't have a lot of competition, there isn't the travel, there isn't the, the I don't even think people are spending as much on clothes. I was talking my Nordstrom gal that, that I usually go see once a year or twice a year to, to get a couple, you know, a couple new suits. She's all over me. She's like, hey, we're having a sale in December. I'm like, why are you having a sale in December? Isn't that your busy month? She's like, not this year. So just people aren't spending much money on things historically they would. Why, why would people be spending bunches of money on clothes? Where are they going to wear them to, right? <clears throat> people probably aren't spending as much money on cars. They probably aren't spending. They, we know they're not spending on travel. They're not spending it on going out. So the house housing has benefited tremendously from that. Now, <clears throat> flash forward six months from now or nine months from now, <clears throat> though I'm not predicting any type of mass correction or mass recession for housing, but you got to think as things open up, there will be competition for the wallet and the money that people have otherwise been putting into housing. So I am telling my clients, this is the time to sell, right? This is get your house on the market now, even though it's December, 
um, better to be selling it in a great market in December than maybe a not so great market in August or, you know, the summertime. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy out there. I've had my best year ever. December is slated to be my best month ever of any month, any year. Um, and yeah, I think back to April when we had Justin and Terry on here. And, and when I say that, April's pretty far into the year, guys. I mean, <clears throat> we're not saying it was January 15th. It was April that we're sitting here going, man, this, this year's anemic. What are we going to do? How, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to make it? Flash forward eight short months later, and we're all going, man, this is our best year ever, right? It's crazy. Um, it's crazy. I talked to Justin this week. He didn't say it was his best year ever. He said it was like a, his third best. Terry Sprague said it was his best year ever. I, that's been a question. Whenever I'm talking to an agent, usually if I'm doing a deal with an agent, I'll be, we'll, we'll be, kind of shooting, shooting the breeze. And I'll be like, so you having your best year ever? I'm hearing it about 80% of the time, right? Joe, are you having your best year ever? I think Tucker was going to say something, but yes, I am. Yeah. High fives to you guys. Nice job. Hey, if you're on our, if you're on our, if you're on our post, tell us if you're having your best year ever, if you're watching this live, what were you going to say, Tucker? Um, I, I mean, I think it's just, it, this has been the craziest year I've ever been in real estate. And we've been through the ups and the downs and 2008 was a, friggin' shit show, right? Um, you know, people went from Mercedes to Kias and in and out of the business and everything else, right? That was a wild ride. But, you know, this is a wild ride in a totally different direction. I mean, literally, I'm, you know, I have to look forward in terms of the product that we're going to build and what we're going to take on and what we're going to do, right? And so, you know, if you look at the builder confidence numbers this year, they hit an all-time low and an all-time high, right? That was the roller coaster within an eight-month period which is is crazy and just like you know you said we went from i don't know this might just be a donut year to <laughs> best year ever right feast to famine right yeah. i mean um because that's really what we were talking about with, with justin and uh you know everybody else was like this we may just have to scratch this year off right it's just like we'll survive and we'll start over next year and it's just crazy to me that this is where you know how much change has happened here and, and it's funny because january last year Actually, it was December last year. It was a year ago. Um, you know, we said uh, I was on a panel and I was like, I don't see any real problems coming up with, um, you know, real estate moving forward. And uh, then, of course, Corona happened and all that. But now here we are, December again, and you take Corona out of the mix and we're basically right back to what I thought would happen this year. So, well, you know, the, the podcast with Terry um, and Justin, I mean, they've been on a couple of times, but uh, Terry is like, look, man, how is this going to affect, you know, how much is the high-end market going to tank? And then, you know, Justin said coronavirus was announced and he lost like $8 million in pending sales, you know, just because everybody pulled out. 80% of everybody that had a deal moving forward pulled out. And um, there was a big question mark as to if this was going to be Armageddon or not. And um, but yeah, I mean, uh, as far as from the real estate standpoint, uh, you know, my company Soldera Properties is having a banner year. I'm having a personal best. Um, I've done more volume than what I think I have, but I made more money uh, this year than other times a higher volume. And a lot of our brokers are having personal bests. And so this brings up the question, where do we go from here? And I see a lot of, you know, we've had to adapt for the last eight months to be able to have a very productive year, but you can't, 
be out in groups and, and you can't go to the office and you can't do all these things. And, you know, if COVID lasted only a month, it wouldn't have affected what we do. You know, everyone knows the guy with the blue blazer, the red tie, the leather briefcase, and they show up at the office at nine and they stay there all day long till 3.30 and then they go home. And it's like, I just can't do work uh, at home. I have to be at the office. Well, since COVID uh, started way back in, in March, people have adapted to working at home or working away from crowds and safe spaces. And I think moving forward, uh, you know, the, the builders that build homes, you know, you have four bedrooms up and a living room and a family room and a dining room and, and there's a den. Um, and usually whoever got the short straw gets this little tiny desk in the kitchen, right? You know, they kind of build it in, put the matching granite or quartz there. And, you know, it's like, okay, honey, that's, that's where your desk is. And I, I think there's going to be more and more of uh, an importance of having two bona fide offices and, and two bona fide uh, dens. So uh, I, I think that's going to change. I think people who embrace technology and have the platforms, you can do business from anywhere in the world if you have an internet connection and a phone. And so I think you're going to see a lot of people giving up spaces and investing in tech versus brick and mortar. Um, uh, and look, you know, I'm no Pat Stone or I'm no uh, economist, so you shouldn't listen to anything I have to say. But uh, at least the feeling I have in my chest is that um, it will remain uh, strong for at least the next six months, right? We have a change in presidency. There's not going to be any radical changes during the first hundred days. Um, you know, once we get beyond uh, May, then who the hell knows? But I, I think at least in the next six months, uh, it's going to be consistent like it has been. Those yeah, and I, I want to be careful. I wasn't saying long-term housing is is in a bad place. I don't believe that. But you know, we, we, we've always talked about how it ebbs and flows, Tucker, and we've been in a flow. <laughs> like, we've been in the ultimate tsunami flow. I think this year, though, like May... Do you know what the stats are? Because this is an important thing, and I think we should mention it. I think we're going to be at like somewhere between 12 and 15% year-over-year appreciation. Um, and the last time we saw that was 2006. Um, and that was the beginning of something much frothier and, and more problematic. But I personally don't believe you see 15% year-over-year gains without some form of backlash right? Like it just is an unsustainable gain in a short period of time. And, and I think in this case, you're probably robbing future gains. That's really yeah. the way that I see it. I don't, we don't have the implosion, you know, that may occur due to everything that happened the last go round. But I do think that you're robbing some future gains potentially um, with that type of increase in value over the course of this year. So that's my perspective on it. I think that, you know, where they're at now or where they level out at, you know, February-ish, I think that's probably where they'll be in two years, honestly. But, you know, again, I could be wrong, but that's just my personal prediction in terms of real estate. I, I would even go so far as to say, Tucker, we're robbing future buyers today, right? It's the opposite of pent-up demand. Pent-up demand is where there's buyers today that can't buy for a reason, right? The opposite of that is people today are buying, even though they probably were going to buy two years from now. And it's to your point, Joe, when COVID hit, 
all of a sudden, the wallet had a lot more money for housing. And there was a shift in, in the living style that made people go, you know, we've been in this house for four years. We, we were planning on being here for seven, but let, we got to do something different today because the next year and a half, we're all home. The kids are here. Let's do it now. Boom. Let's move That's to robbing birds. a future buyer for today, right? And yeah. so um, conversely, I think you had some sellers who, who would have been sellers today, but they are holding off the market because they don't want people in their houses for COVID reasons. So that creates the shift in, um, in the, 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 the inconsistency in inventory. I mean, record low inventory. Can you guys believe that? 1.1 months. RMLS has said this is the lowest we've ever had ever. Yeah. In any market, including the markets we called the banana markets, you know, five years ago, Tucker, including 07, 07 not 07, 06, 05. I mean, that's crazy low. And there inventory. was quite a bit of inventory actually back then looking. I mean, it was like four, five, six months of inventory back then. So it wasn't like crazy low, just financing drove everything back then versus, you know, supply and demand in this particular case. But yeah, it's nuts. Um, I and don't know. Then, I, I, you know. It's nuts. <laughs> and and that's the only time, I mean, we're, we're sitting here today, it's December 11th, right? We're fast approaching that lull that you always feel, right? Where the phones are just ringing a little less. People are saying, oh, don't worry about it. We'll do it something in January. I mean, I, I just, for one, am not feeling that. I, I'm, I'm feeling as busy as I would in a summertime environment. And I don't think I'm alone, right? I don't think I'm alone. Um, and it's, it's, I, and, and I like, I love it. I mean, you know, that saying make hay while the sun's shining. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm making hay. <laughs> it's, and I think a lot of us are, and we're, and we're very fortunate to be in this industry. Not everybody is experiencing this across the board. I feel so badly for people of other industries who, who don't have that opportunity to, to even have their doors open. My gosh. I mean, well, people, uh, why the market is so great is the the kind of the new COVID philosophy is people that want to downsize or move closer in, they're wanting to go get more square footage and they're wanting to get more elbow room um, as far as land. Uh, they're trying to social distance from neighbors and, and from themselves in their own house. It's like, you know, I have a lot of family and friends that are on council crest they think west lynn is you know the end of the earth to them mm -hmm. and um it doesn't look so bad now i mean <laughs> like hey i'm out of the traffic sure. i'm out of the riots and destruction and i have a little bit more land and a bigger house and tucker are yeah, you seeing more demand right for uh she sheds and and maybe like a, a what they call a man cave that could double as a guy's office or two offices within the house is, is has that uh hit your radar yet um we sold one you know last month that had uh what could be two offices um and it ended up selling to exactly who i thought would buy it somebody who had four kids and they had to have those kids go to school and so they, they had a number of bedrooms plus a couple of um you know office locations and so that worked perfect for them um you know we're seeing bigger demand for our product that historically we haven't been like the densest builder right we've done slightly bigger lots on a lot of our stuff or the ones that we tear down and build one in their place we're kind of looking for bigger lots not tighter lots and we're definitely feeling a very strong demand for that slightly larger lot where i think a year ago two years ago 
you didn't really get much more for a bigger lot. It was just more grass to cut. Now people really covet that. And they're, they're, they're seeing a lot of value in that. And I was actually joking with, um, uh, one of the, uh, agents that's on in this group that showed me a piece of property in Lake Oswego a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, look, we did a couple of houses on, on upper drive. It was an acre parcel. We split it up into half acre lots. We sold it, uh, you know, two and a half years ago and we didn't get much more for the bigger lots. But now if they put those properties on the market, they would probably get like to your point, Steve, a ton more within a very short amount of time, simply because of the fact that they have half acre lots attached to them. And so um, that that I think is the biggest driver right now is just space, like you mentioned, Joe. Mm-hmm. Don't you think bigger houses is 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 a thing now too? We went through. It's this is my perception anyway. When we went through the downturn in 07, 08, they were building massive houses everywhere. I mean, it was the we called them the the McMansion era, right? Happy Valley, all over. They were building 4,000, 5,000 square foot houses. People were buying houses and they had rooms they didn't even use, right? And we went through the downturn and there was a shift back. The shift, there was two shifts. People wanted to be closer into Portland and they wanted smaller houses. They wanted less, they wanted more efficient houses. They wanted smaller. I feel like both those are, are reversing. People are moving away from Portland and it feels like people are going, I do want the little bit. I do want the larger house. I do want the more space. I do want a gym in my house. I do want two offices. I do want a place where my kids can be that, um, that that's away from me. And, and I think it's a bigger term shift. It, you know, it'd be, it'd be easy to say, well, as soon as COVID's over, that's going to go reverse back. But I don't know that I believe that. I think people, when you, when you force people to be home for a year, year and a half, and they get kind of become a little bit more of a homebody-ish type, they cook more. They work. I'll tell you one thing that's changed in my life, guys. I don't think I'm ever going back to a gym. I mean, I, I, I bought the whole, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. I got the Peloton, I got the bench, I got, you know, a huge set of, of weights. Um, and, oh, I th- and I, I thought you I'm were actually- just gonna, I thought you were just going to quit working out. <laughs> and I'm enjoying being at home. I love the convenience of just walking across the hall. It's there. No one to small talk with. It's me time. It's pure me time. I even put a little TV there. I've got CNBC playing. I got my music on. And and oh, and 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 you know, once in a while, I'll get a work call and I'll pause and I'll 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 it's me. It's my time. I can do whatever I want in my little gym. You, you can know? text on your machine. I can text on my machine. I mean, I you know, I've you know, we, we love Randy Sebastian, but he's the first guy on Facebook to call those people out and like, "Get off my machine while I'm trying to work out." Hey, you know what? In my gym, that goes. I can do that whenever I want. So, I, my point is I'm never going back to the gym. I'm always going to need that extra room in my house. From this day forward, probably I predict forever in, in perpetuity, I will need a gym at home. Okay. Is, now is there's this, other things. Steve, is this why you're wearing a, a short sleeve shirt in December? So we can see the gun show. Yeah. <laughs> or do we, do we expect the like bikini photos from you? In the <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah. Coming. Put that on MLS <laughs> Coming soon. Can we put it on masters? Yeah. yeah. But 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 that's my example, right? Everybody, I think, has some example. For some people, that's the office. They're they're at home forever in an office, and sometimes it's two. Maybe it's you know the the kids have a special room that they're going to always need to do some kind of crafting or whatever. Everybody needs a little bit more space at home. So, I think that's an an interesting shift that we're we're in and and we'll be in for a while. Well, it's ten thirty. Um, 
Joe's got a hard exit. Uh, I got a hard stop. I, I did want to say thanks again to uh, Chad Meyer for the tech advice, uh, the webcam and the light ring and all the things. I really appreciate it. I might have called him Craig earlier because I hadn't had enough coffee yet, but uh, Chad Meyer, thank you. And thank you guys. This is an awesome podcast, I thought. And hopefully we'll all, uh, you know, uh, hold hands and skip and sing and, and run through daisy fields and talk about the real topics and masters rather than uh, uh, other, I guess, objectives. So. That's, that's be nice to each other. Nice is right. nice. Love one another. Yeah. Yeah. Very awesome. Good. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We were uh, happy to be back and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.